Hey everyone, I'm Josh Loftus, and this is the Everyday on Monday podcast, the podcast where we talk about everyday people doing everyday things in everyday churches. Whether you're a pastor, a plumber, or that overzealous parent at the Little League baseball games, we all know who that is. This podcast is for you. This is where we find value in the trenches of Christian life. Welcome to Every Day a Monday. And in the trenches with me today, I have a very special guest. He is the pastor at Communion Church in the wilds of Mount Vernon, Washington. And I have enjoyed getting to know him over the past couple months. I have Pastor Jim Fickert with me today. Jim, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing all right. Thank you so much for having me. Good, good. Yep. Thanks for being on. Well, before we get going, uh, it is the third and final installment of our sponsorship with RefTunes. Uh, for those of you who have not heard up until this point, RefTunes is a series by a guy named Paul Cox exploring church history through comics. Uh, it's really, really fantastic. If you guys have seen our Facebook banner, our podcast art, he is the guy that did that. He's an amazing artist. Um, takes really, really cool, cool scenes from church history, put some awesome quotes to him. Uh, you guys got to go check him out. Reftunes.com. Uh, he's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Reftunes. And if you guys are interested or know anybody that is interested in sponsoring the podcast, get your name out there or your work out there. Uh, shoot us an email at everydayamondaypodcast at gmail.com or any of the socials we are on there as well. So, all right, moving on to our guest, Jim. Give us, before we get going here, man, just kind of a short bio of who you are and what you do. Maybe a little known fun fact, if you have one, not many people do, but just give us a little bit about you, man. Yeah, um, so live in Mount Vernon. Um, I'm about to celebrate uh, 15 years with my lovely wife, Esther. And Congrats. Uh, yeah, we have six kids, um, so 13-year-old, 11-year-old, 10-year-old, 8-year-old, 7-year-old, and an almost 2-year-old. So, okay, so um, you've got nothing but time. Right. And, and I'm not going to give you their names because the Russians might be listening. So <laughs> yes, we are using Google Chrome. Yeah. Yes. We'll, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Um, and so, um, yeah, uh, fun fact. Uh, I'm what most people recognize about me very quickly is I'm not a small person. I'm about six foot seven, yes. uh, 250 pounds, and I am not nearly the tallest person in my extended family. So, um, um, lots of, lots of tall Dutch people all around me. So, um, yeah. yeah. How, how does that work in counseling sessions? Right. Like when you have like the, just maybe the, the cocky knucklehead guy coming in needing, needing counseling and there you are six foot seven. It works well. It works yeah. very well. Uh, yeah. I mean, all, all those power moves of like the handshake and everything, I don't need any of those. It's basically yes. just stand up and it, 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 it does the job. You're in the room and you are automatically the authority. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, that's awesome. Uh, so Jim, uh, yeah, obviously a pastor up there at communion church. Um, give us just really quick, uh, how you got into that, uh, whether ministry was something that you knew you were going into, or if that's something that God kind of slapped you upside the head with as he does some people. And then, um, what is both the hardest part and the best part of being a pastor up there in Mount Vernon? Yeah. Um, so no, I, I did not want to be a pastor. Uh, my my grandfather was a pastor. My dad was a Christian school principal um, who also was an elder in the church. And so um, um, I I had a good idea of what a pastor was and what a pastor did. And for that reason, wanted nothing to do with it. Um, I I went and got a master's degree in architecture, and that was what I was planning on doing for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I just started serving in the church. 
um, a, a, a small church plant and then uh, started doing a little bit more and then said yes to something else. And then they asked me to consider eldership and I said no. Um, and then um, uh, for me, what really kind of motivated me to think through, okay, well, maybe maybe I should consider this is, you know, that idea of uh, to whom much is given, much is expected. And I had had so much um, taught to me and built into me and, you know, kind of family around me that showed me what being a Christian was like. Um, and I realized I, I had all of this that God had given me. And I really uh, probably shouldn't just hoard it and uh, use it to be over critical of everybody around me and, um, and, and use it to measure uh, their faith. So um, so I stepped into that um, and um, became an elder at the church. And then eventually they talked me into preaching. And then uh, eventually I went on staff. And then, yeah, it was just kind of one thing after another that led to, to planting a church up here in Mount Vernon about eight years ago. Um, and I, I tell people all the time, if, if God had shown me where that path was going, I probably would not have been willing to take the first step because uh, it was not an end that I wanted. Uh, but, uh, but every single one of those decisions made sense. And so, um, and, and now that I'm on the other side of it, I can look back and go, I can see all these things in my life that where God was preparing me for this. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so, so I guess now I'm officially a pastor for a while. I tell people that I was an architect who was, who was working in the church, but, um, after a certain amount of time, you know, that, you know, you, you take those caveats off. Um, so but yeah, so so best of the worst parts of the job. I mean, it's it's a wonderful thing to be able to um, uh, be right there in kind of a having a front row seat to what God is doing. Uh, to be able to 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 see lives changed, to see uh, uh, marriages healed, to see just 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 kind of the beauty of God working in the everyday. Um, and so I get to be invited into a lot of situations that other people, um, don't. Um, and so they don't get to see a lot of the things that, that as a pastor I get to see. And so, um, for me, that is just deep in my faith more and more as you just see God working in so many different situations and so many different lives. Yeah. Um, but with that is the hardest part of the job. You also have a front row seat to human depravity. Uh, and, uh, I think, you know, I have friends who are firemen or, or police officers or work in hospitals. They, they see a certain kind of depravity, um, but it's really interesting to walk beside people who seem to have it all together. And then you get to see behind the scenes and see the, the just massive insecurity and um, brokenness uh, or the marriage that everyone thinks is great, but they confide in you as to what it really is. And um, so sometimes just walking around with that weight um, is the hardest part of the job where you just, you know, you know, what's going on with everybody, you know, the person who has, you know, told you that they're, they're having suicidal thoughts and you're sitting there worried that, you know, something might happen. And, you know, what, how did what I said today, you know, how is that going to affect them? Some of, some of that weight is certainly the hardest part of the job. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you, man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, now how long have you been the pastor up there in communion? So I've been uh, a pastor for just over 10 years. So I was ordained about 10 years ago, um, planted the church in um, September of 2011. So we're coming up on our eight year anniversary in September. Awesome. Awesome. Now, it, what if, if you had to, I realize it might be hard just to pick just one, but if you had to <laughs> narrow down one aspect of your church up there at Communion, uh, the church that the Lord has has uh, has you a part of that you really appreciate, really value, um, like the one thing that would, if you came through the doors today, the one thing that, that would keep you coming through the doors, what, what would that, 
what would that that aspect about your church be for you? The pastor. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The, 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 <laughs> the European yeah. giant oh, behind, behind the pulpit. Oh, yeah. If that doesn't bring you back. No. Um, <laughs> if that doesn't bring you back, I don't know what's going to. Come to, welcome to the freak show, people. Come, yeah. What do you want? What Seriously. more do you want? I'm here. What more do you want? Um, no, I, I think I think one of the beautiful things about our church is you truly have people striving to bring um, uh, these eternal ideas of of the gospel into into this temporary world, and so really struggling to figure out, you know, what does it look like to to love my neighbor when they are not nice to me and they don't really appreciate the love that I'm giving to them and they don't really um, uh, uh, care that I am making this effort or you know how do we how do we strive for mutual submission in a marriage when there's sin still there and you're you're basically opening yourself up to hurt? It's, it's this it's this biblical big idea, but in the everyday world, it's hard. And so, um, you know, to, to have people who are really trying to figure out what does that look like and um, and struggling through it. And so I think that's that's kind of the, the beauty of, of what we have going on here in Mount Vernon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then that and when that's there, that causes the the community and the accountability and the encouragement just to be so much deeper. Yeah. Right. Because, it, because that automatically, if that mentality is there, it, it by necessity takes it out of the superficial realm. Yeah. Right. It requires that you go deep. It requires yeah. that you invest. It requires that you open yourself up to accountability. Right. That's, that's, that is so needed. Right. Yeah. Well, in all honesty, people, there's some people who come to our church who are freaked out a little bit because they're not used to some of this stuff being on the surface. So we'll just talk about conflict. We'll talk about things that are going on in a, in a pretty open way. And for some people, it's just kind of like, wow, your church is really messed up. Um, <laughs> it's like, well, no, we're just honest. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, it's, a, it's, it's maybe a little bit of both, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Which but, is fair. But, yeah. But for some people, it's just, it's just that, that, you know, that is not a comfortable thing. And so um, it does take some getting used to, I think. And, um, uh, but, but yeah, it's, it, but it's beautiful once you kind of have that culture is there because then when people do enter in, even if they're uncomfortable with it at first in time, they realize like, this is actually what I want. Right. This is actually what, what, what real community looks like. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and it's those, it's those things like th- what you were just talking about is those people who are, who are freaked out by that. I mean, I know I was, uh, for the longest time, like nobody's nobody is born just like, hey, this is me. this is me. This is all of me. Right. Uh, that's something that takes practice and takes commitment to do. Right. And you uh, being a pastor in the Pacific Northwest have an extra hard job in that just the culture that you are in, just where the Lord has you um, does not facilitate that type of mentality well, <laughs> it really doesn't like you are. I mean, we in the Pacific Northwest, we are in we're in a church hurt culture. We're in a celebrity pastor cult, culture. Uh, we're in a we're in a culture where it is very individualistic, where we don't feel as if we need anybody. Um, we're, we're in a culture where it's kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, keep your head down, look at your phone and don't don't talk to anybody. Right. Uh, we're a very self-sufficient culture out here in the Pacific Northwest. So how do you as a pastor with all of that going on and those type of people coming in with those kind of struggles, how do you go about facilitating 
and encouraging service and getting plugged into that community like you were talking about? Yeah, I mean, if you if you call people to submit and to truth, like right off the bat, um, that's when they run, you know, I mean, basically that idea of like, trust us is, is not something that most people are going to like, yeah, all right. Um, um, well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so, but I think for pastors to recognize that, like, like as you're, as you're, as you're working with people, like that stuff is going to take some time. Um, and so making like the, making the front door kind of this, like, this is how we do things. So you can only belong if you're, you're going to do it this way. It's like, no, what you're doing is you're inviting people into a, a culture that already exists mm-hmm. and you're allowing them to see people. I mean, I, I go to the Old Testament and go, you know, there's these sojourners among you and they're going to see what it looks like to be the people of God by watching mm-hmm. you be the people of God. Right. Um, and so I think most people who end up serving, it's because they've been served. Um, right. I mean, if you if, if the church is really working towards that, people are going, man, I am experiencing something here that that I knew I needed um, that I now know I want, um, uh, but I, that I've really never, never had before. And I, I you talk about the, the Pacific Northwest, people are lonely. Mm-hmm. People are desperately lonely. It's true. And, and so when they can find a place that actually can see them for who they are and still, and still wants them to be there. I think that's, that's the sort of community that, 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 that people have just not, yeah, they haven't, they haven't been part of that before. You talked about the sojourner observing and seeing what it means and what it looks like to be part of the family of God because they're observing it in church, right? Part of that process that I think a lot of churches miss is showing the importance of how the gospel will cover over sin and how the gospel will cover over shame and pain and things like that, because so often we have the churches that are just trying to make everything look perfect. How do you think we get to that point where churches are okay with actually being authentic with the bruises and the and the brokenness and the scars that the gospel has covered over? Well, I think some of it is actually uh, working on some of our categories that we've. Yeah. So, so we basically the categories we've created are, um, you know, the you have the the broken and the sinful, and then you have um, the the forgiven and the justified. You know, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we like go, yeah, that's amazing and that's beautiful, uh, but sin still has consequences. It does. Um, And so sometimes when people come in, what they're experiencing is not condemnation. What they're experiencing is people who actually recognize sin. Mm. Um, And for people who have never acknowledged sin, that's a hard thing as well. Um, So sometimes it's just it's just helping people to to think through kind of I mean, it's to know all that Jesus commanded. Um, And so so the, the, the gospel is the framework by which we view all of that. But I do think even within the, you know, kind of gospel centered grace culture, we've 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 hijacked that. And, you know, as Bonhoeffer said, we've made it into a cheap grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've we've turned it into something where we say the words grace all the time, but we don't really recognize the holiness of God. Uh, we don't really fear God. Um, and, and, and actually fearing God puts you in the posture to to love someone and show grace to someone who isn't repentant and isn't necessarily um, wanting to walk away from their sin. Um, right, and I right. think, I and, think and, that, yeah, go ahead. 
Oh no, no, no I was going to say that that is a very interesting point. I want to I want to suss that out a little bit because mm -hmm. I actually ironically uh, providentially just saw a video uh, yesterday of RC Sproul and and RC Sproul's a big holiness of God guy, right? Oh, yes, he, he was is. really the he was he was the one that really opened up my mind to this is who God is. Yeah. Primarily, first and foremost, he is holy. And if we don't view him as that first, the rest of our view of God and then our practice, right? Our orthopraxy after that is going to be skewed. It's going to yeah. be it's going to be off tilter, right? So and I appreciate what you said is is we need to view God as holy and we need to show that from the pulpit through our service. So how do we how do we couple those two things? How does the viewing God as holy how does that then transcend and affect our service and our commitment to the local church? Yeah, I, I think that if we get a right view of who God is, um, then all of a sudden, I mean, you think of Isaiah, you know, I mean, that's, using R.C. Sproul as an example, you know, he uses that as the central point in the holiness of God is, is, is Isaiah standing you know, before God in the presence of God and just like just overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, but not just overwhelmed by God, overwhelmed by his sin, by yes. who he is, yeah. Yeah. Um, because he, being yeah. in the holiness of God puts Burn us in my the lips. I, I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And what that does when we actually understand the gospel is just makes the gospel so much greater. If we know what we have been saved from, yeah. it, it just makes us a, a, a thankful people. And so we start talking about like, what does that do to our service? Well, it means you were bought with a price. Now honor God with your body. Like your whole life now is about this. Um, and and instead of kind of like, well, you know, he rectified this little piece of my life over here, so now I can give him a little piece of my life, and we're square. Um, and and so yeah, I think I think our service is greatly changed when we when we recognize, um, you know, what it really is that the gift of grace offers us. Right. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And when we realize. Yeah, that's exactly right. When we realize the depth of God's holiness, we then realize the depth of our sin, which then causes us to realize the depth of the gospel. And when we talk about service, when we talk about having this this big view of God, I like to say, right? Yeah. We don't want a small view of God. We want a view of God that's always expanding our minds and our hearts uh, to who he is. Um, when we have that, that gives us the ability to serve well because our motives are right. Yeah. And when you think of, of both good and bad motivations for doing that, what do you find in your life that kind of creeps up as a, a bad motivation, perhaps even to get behind the pulpit that, that you are having to fight against every week? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the one that pastors struggle with the most is probably the, the duty part of it, um, which is just to say like, I have to do this. Um, and, um, and it's, it's, it's tough cause you have bad weeks as a pastor. Um, you have, you have times when there's things or going months. on or right. <laughs> yeah, let's not, let's not minimize this. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so, so there are times when, you know, I have to really question like, am, you know, what am I able to bring this week? And, and what is the motivation, you know, for why I'm here? Is it just cause this is my job? Cause I don't want to, I don't want to just keep doing this because this is what, you know, this is the occupation I've now found myself in. But, um, but no, I mean, there's, there's a million different, you know, uh, 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 bad motivations. I mean, certainly, you know, Francis Chan has done a good job of pointing to the, the crowd mentality one, you know, mm, where, sure. man, this, yep. this feeds your ego. 
you know, don't, don't, don't ever think that it doesn't. Every time you, you get up on stage like this and there's all these people, um, you know, there to hear you speak, man, that is, that is a, that is a, a terrible thing. That is a, that is a, that is a, that, a, um, that is something we always have to watch out for is, is, and not just, is that the only reason I'm here, but how much of am I, am I giving to that? How much am I allowing that to affect who I am, who yeah. I, who I know myself to be? What are some practical steps or practical advice, not even just for pastors, for mm -hmm. the people that are in the congregation to guard themselves from that mentality that kind of, I'm all that, right? Like how, how would you go about counseling somebody in, in humility? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, part of it is the whole, the whole biblical idea of the church is that, that you're known, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, yep. if, if you are actually open and known, it's hard to be humble if people actually know i mean it's hard to not be humble if people know who you are um <laughs> that that is very true yeah <laughs> i mean it's, it's it's why it's why marriages are kind of the our, our, our you know greatest sanctification um incubator um because because you know our our spouses are the person who see us at all times right, right? they don't see us when we're on they see us all the time um right. and um to to start to create a culture that has that to be humble, we don't have to look look down on ourselves. Uh, humility is recognizing us, you know, re actually recognizing ourselves. Sure. And so what we need is more things in our life that actually help us to see who we really are. There's nothing better I can think of to do that than what you said, investment in the local church, yeah. right? And Get in a discipleship uh, relationship with one of your pastors or with an yeah. older guy in the church. Yeah. Right? Get into the small groups, the community groups, be serving in church, plug in, make your entire life as much as you can about investing into the community that God has given you in your local church and they will hold you accountable. Mm -hmm. it, it'll it just happen. <laughs> it, it will. Yeah. In a way you probably don't even recognize too. Yeah, like, you right. know, I mean, it's interesting to me. So I moved from, from here to the Chicago area to go to college. And when I was out there, I'm in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago. And so, um, it's just, there's no kind of town feel to it. Um, and, um, and so my relatives live just up in Wisconsin they live in this town. And, and one of them was telling me how terrible the town is because everybody knows you. And so yeah. like, if your car is parked outside the wrong house, they know that you're probably in there having an affair, um, yeah. you know, right. or like that sort of right. thing. And yeah. so in the Northwest suburbs, so that didn't exist. And I worked at a coffee shop and this one guy who came in all the time with his, um, he always came in with this gal and they had coffee and they, you know, were sitting over in the corner and make out, which was kind of awkward, but, um, <laughs> slightly, but, yeah, just a little bit. Um, <laughs> but one time he came in in the evening, I was actually working a different shift and he walked in and he had a different uh, gal with him more appropriate to his age. And, yeah. um, he, he introduced me to his wife. Oh no. And I was sitting there going, wow, like, like you're even going to the same coffee shop. But like, I started to realize like, Brazen. yeah, but, but that there's something that's built into community that actually, I mean, we always think of shame as a bad thing. Uh, shame right. can be a great motivator to actually like <laughs> help us to recognize what our sin really is. Yeah. Because um, yeah. when we can't get away with something um, or we know what kind of uh, consequences that it has, it, it kind yeah. of exploits and, 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 and reveals uh, the true yeah. heart and nature of that sin. And so um, the church community is the same thing. When you would all of a yeah. sudden, you're like, I don't want to do that because I don't want to have to tell this person about it. Um, right. Or I don't want to do this because this person will catch me. Like that, that as much as we'd rather it be a heart motivation, um, right. that's actually though protects us from quite a bit. And is, is it actually, it's a wonderful thing. Um, yeah. that I think we, I don't, I think we minimize that aspect. Yeah. Um, and, 
And I'll just say one more thing. It's interesting yep. to me with the celebrity pastor thing you were talking about before. Mm-hmm. If you look at all those cases, um, um, every single one of those guys isolated themselves. Yes. I yeah. mean, that, that is the one thing that you see with all of them is they built, they built up a system by which um, not just they weren't accountable to anybody else, but they actually had had almost no community. They had pulled themselves right. back further and further and further. And so we right. see there the results of, of what happens when you don't have that. The three stages of pride. It's pride blinds, pride alienates, then pride destroys. Mm-hmm. Right? And it always happens there. Right. And it's that alienation that you're talking about. That is that is when it's so dangerous. Uh, because you know what's coming, right? And yeah. it's, it's, it's just you're, you're sitting there with the red flags like, like stop, stop, stop. The road is out. The mm-hmm. bridge is out. You are careening toward disaster. Um, and if you have nobody around you to tell you that, uh, you're going to go flying off that bridge and, yeah. and it's going to be a bad crash. Yeah. And the thing for all of us to recognize is when we look at those sorts of things, people go, oh, that was a prideful man. Um, yeah. And it's like, uh, I, you know, the reality is we all are. Um, you know, but by the grace of God, go I. And so, so we should invest in that grace of God that he has given us, um, in the local church, which is Um, the church. Yes. Uh, (laughs) To be uh, clear. (laughs) Yes. Uh, you know, rather, rather than thinking like, um, well, that guy couldn't handle it, but I can, because I have a different personality. It's, it's not, it's, yeah, that's not going to, your personality is not going to save you. (laughs) I'm an Enneagram two, so I can handle that better than the Enneagram fours. Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You got it down. So much, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. We're gonna we're gonna leave that one. We're gonna leave that one right where it's yeah, at. Yeah, please, <laughs> that's please. separate. Oh my goodness! All right, all right. Um, well, uh, Jim. So, obviously, being in ministry for as long as you have, um, growing up in the church, uh, you've we've all got those stories, right? We've got the unforgettable moments. We've got the the hilarious things that happen to us. What is one of the most funniest or unforgettable church moments you you have ever experienced? Yeah. Um, so I, I've had a lot of awkward ones. Um, we we uh, even better. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're we're in an area where we have a lot of uh, homeless people walk into the church service. Um, sure. And yeah. so um, when I was but when I was younger, I grew up in um, uh, in in the Pado Baptist tradition. Um, and oh, you Prisby. know, yeah, yeah. So and, and right, so yeah, right uh, dumping water on children is always exciting um, and brings out the best in them. <laughs> Um, but have you seen, I, I gotta ask you real <laughs> quick, cause on the topic of pedo baptism, if you haven't seen it, I'm sending it to you. Have you seen the, the short, it's like a 15 second video clip of like the Russian pedo Baptist where they hold their whole, they the slam baby. the babies. Oh my goodness. He like <laughs> yeah. dunks yeah. them like three, like father, son, Holy spirit, yeah. totally submerged head first yeah. into the water tin. <laughs> Yeah, you know, people always say you can't do a hybrid model, but I mean that's pretty pretty close. <laughs> that's pretty, that's yeah. a high, that is be- definitely baptism by immersion. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that baby was fully submerged three times. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah. They're, they're not taking any chances on that one. Um, no, no. That baby is coming out sanctified. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what I was going to say though is we had we had one yeah. situation though where a family came and they had a baby, but then they also had like a four or five year old, um, okay. and the kid had never been in service before, and they were new to the church, and so, um, but the church because they had always done um, you know baby baptisms didn't think hey we should probably put this at the beginning of the service um mm-hmm. so that we can get this family out of here because the babies tend to, to to sit well enough when they're you know a few months old so this kid again never been in service he was going to be baptized as well and he just did laps around the church for the entire service 
up oh, around nice. the podium up and the pastor was doing his best to ignore it and to try to be gracious to this family and pretend that it but about halfway through his sermon he lost it and like basically oh. he's like get the kid out you know <laughs> <laughs> you can bring but it where, back yeah so where's was, the deacons uh, like get like somebody help <laughs> like, uh, somebody grab that child <laughs> yeah i think it was just it was so outside of what they'd ever experienced you know they were just kind of like no one knew what to do so uh, they, they were the frozen chosen yeah. right? and they're just like what's happening here? well seriously but the other part of it is i mean for some of us it was it was entertaining, so we could yeah. have done something. But well, like you're, like you're we sitting were enjoying there. the show. Yeah, you're sitting there waiting. Like, how long is it going to be till this yeah. faster snaps? Yeah. Or, or like he actually went up at one point. He was playing in the in the bat, you know, in the baptism water. Like he was splashing it around and stuff. And I'm, you're oh, sitting there going, like, who's going to do something? Is somebody yeah. going to do something? Yeah. Beca- yeah. Because it, because if we don't, I'm afraid that God is going to here really soon. Exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's awesome. Well, Jim, we are almost done with the podcast, but not yet. We have come to the Monday hot takes, which is when I ask you a bunch of random questions and oh, you give good. me the first thing that pops into your head. You ready All for right. this? Yeah, theological Rorschach test. Let's go. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not stuck you, in here with you. Do, you. you do You're edit, stuck in here with me. <laughs> you do edit this later on, right? Oh, yeah, I okay. can, but it okay. depends, depends sure. on. Uh, d- Depends on how on on how good. Like I, okay, I like to yeah. be edit light. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> edit light. All right. We're gonna start off easy. All right. Okay. okay. What's the what's the worst book you've ever read? Worst book I ever read. Um. Uh. I don't remember the title. It's by Joel Rosenberg, and it's like a, a prophetic. Um. Every time the word Judah is ushered in the the, the minor oh, prophets, okay. it actually refers to America. Oh, so some sort of dispensational garbage. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> okay, um, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Favorite band or musical artist? Radiohead. No question. Holy smokes. Okay, good. Nice. All right, pulling that out. Um, all right, coffee or tea? Coffee. All right. Jim, I, I haven't asked this for a while because nobody's actually given me an answer yet, but you seem like the guy oh. who's going to give me an answer. I have opinions. I, I know you. Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking. Okay. <laughs> If you could send three people in a rocket up to space with the express per with the with the knowledge that they are not coming back, oh, who are these three people that you are just getting out of here? Only three, huh? <laughs> I love it. That's okay. the best answer. Sorry, I've gotten so sorry, far. sorry. Uh, <laughs> yes, I knew you were going to be the guy to do this. That's a tough one. Um, Clay Bennett. Um, okay. uh, so for people who don't know, he is the one who bought the Sonics and moved them to Oklahoma city. Yes. Okay. Um, um, uh, yeah, well, we'll say, we'll say, uh, uh, Bart Ehrman, just because I cannot stand anything that that man puts out. Um, for those who don't know, he is the uh, professor of, of new Testament at North Carolina state, but he actually hates God and he tries to draw Christians away. Um, well, there we go. All right. And, yep. um, but he's very effective at it, which is what makes him especially frustrating. Um, and, um, Bono. <laughs> and I don't want to have to give the reasons for it. We'll just leave it at that. What's right? You still haven't found what you're looking for? Right. Like, what's, that's what I found what I'm looking for and it has nothing to do with him. That's the thing. You didn't like his, like, commentary on the Psalms that he put out a while ago? <laughs> you didn't like that? That wasn't your thing, huh? I, I, I feel that um, he is not, 
he is not one of the worst three people on earth. Don't get me wrong, but there's yeah. a, there's a certain way that he can get under my skin, um, <laughs> unlike that, anyone that, else. That most people who wear sunglasses indoors cannot. So um, <laughs> it's so true. Oh, I love it. Oh, Jim, thank you, sir. You have done what others could not. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, okay, uh, which just proves you were just as cynical as I am, which is okay. <laughs> That's why we got people around us, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. If you could be a member of any TV sitcom, which one would it be? <laughs> yeah, um, it would have to be something, yeah, with a good, you know, Ryan Reynolds' character from Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza. This throw, this is throwback. Two Guys, a Girl, and a wow. Pizza Place. Uh, when I was in college, a couple of my friends were like, oh, my word, that guy and you similar personality so um yeah we'll go with that because no one knows what i'm talking about all right all right uh in what situation or place would you find yourself most out of place in i find myself most out of place in situations where people are trying to impress one another okay jim what is what is one of the craziest or most out of character things you have ever done uh craziest or out of character thing I am massively risk averse, and yet I planted a church. Um, but I also, <laughs> I also used to go cliff jumping quite a bit with my friends. Um, oh, okay. And so okay. uh, it took me, it took me a while to actually uh, uh, work up the courage to do that. But then, um, yeah, that certainly was not in my wheelhouse. But okay. Yeah, fun. Uh, what's the best way to spend a rainy afternoon? Because you get a um, lot of them. There are a lot of rainy afternoons around here. Um, Cup of coffee and a, and a good book. Um, go. Can't can't beat it. You can't beat it. Good man. Uh, what's your least favorite mode of transportation? Um, uh, segway. A, a segway? Have you done yeah. a segway? Dude, I have. Oh, I've, I've got the mental picture okay. now. So <laughs> you on a segway? So here's the problem. Most of the things that are made for like all you know fits all sizes <laughs> goes up to about six four. So anything like that, I are you up, having to like bend over to yeah, reach the bars? I, either bend over or just kind of hold it like low, you know. So it's, it's or your your butt sticking out like yeah, it's there. It's bad. It's no matter how you frame it, it was. It's not. It's not good. You look like those guys at the carnivals that are on stilts. Yeah, <laughs> just, just like gliding along. Oh, there's there's Jim. It's Jim. Yeah. <laughs> look. Like a raptor, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Uh, okay, hey, what is um, <clears throat> what food do you wish was health food so you could eat it all the time? Hamburger and French fries all day long. Oh, there all you go. Day long. There you yeah. go. Now, are you are you a thick burger or are you a smash burger guy? Uh, I'm a thick burger guy. Thick burger guy. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Have you ever walked out of a theater because the movie was so bad? I have. Um, uh, when I was in college, we used to uh, pay for one movie and then then jump theaters all day long. Yes. <laughs> so it was it was the third movie in the day, um, and I don't even remember the title of it. But it was a Jason Statham one where he was driving cars fast and 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 whatever, um, and it was so terrible. Um, like, hold on, hold on. A Jason Statham movie where he's driving cars fast. That's literally every Jason Statham I know, movie. That's, <laughs> that's why I can't remember which one it was because I could go on IMDb and go, okay, wait, it was hit, and then. It would not help me. I would not be able to remember what movie it was. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And what is your go-to karaoke song? I tend to not karaoke by myself, so I'll invite other people in. And then you got to go okay. Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen and do parts. Oh, boy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because you can, well, you can again. just, you can, you can throw your voice all over the place and people are like, yeah. this is amazing. And it's like, it's really yeah. not, but um, it works. <laughs> it works. Right. It works. It does work. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Well, looking forward to seeing that Sunday. That'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Jim, we, we have come to the end of the program. Uh, I appreciate you being on the podcast with me, man. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. All right. Well, hey, everyone, you guys know the drill. You can head on over to iTunes and leave a raving review and a five-star rating. Please, it gets the word out, and only raving reviews will be accepted. Uh, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Music, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Head on over to Facebook.com slash Podcast for just all of the information. Instagram at Pod. Thank you all for joining us in the trenches today, and we will catch you on the next step of Everyday a Monday. Thank you.